Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Good morning. morning. Welcome to you and all our friends across the globe. Thanks to Kev Craven for the artwork for today. Uh, This first section of the three is going to be the longest, so just warning you parents and... uh, Whoever. Also, just uh, remember Jim and Mavis in your prayers. Jim is still going through stuff for um, heart attack that he had a uh, week before last. And uh, Pete and Mick are uh, taking care of that for us, which we greatly appreciate. We send our love and prayers. And also to those who are uh, unwell today, pray you'll soon be, soon be uh, up and about. Um, I want to talk to you today about uh, being a maverick and about having a barbarian spirit. Now, I have to admit, um, when this came up in me last week, um, it stirred in me something, and I think some of the reason for my bringing this today may be my heart cry, my own heart cry, that I just need to speak out to you and talk to you as individuals, yes, uh, also has a as a, a group, us together as a church community, and also to those of you across the globe into whose lives we have the privilege to speak, to encourage you to be who you need to be for the moment that you need to be it. Um, throughout my life, I have uh, watched things happen and been a certain way, and I remember even going back to our earlier days where some of you were never even around, some of you weren't even born we met in a, a street called Wilton Rise. Some of you will remember that. And I remember some of the things we latched onto back there and began to do. We were accused of all kinds of things being unspiritual, unbiblical, all froth and bubble, too liberal, etc., etc. But within five to 15 years, the majority of churches that said we were all that were doing what we had been doing and had completely forgotten that we were doing it. And now we were the poor relation in something that was happening. We even had one uh, group, I won't say who they are, who sent people to spy on us when we were doing our Rock City and came for months to take our ideas, take them back to their greater resourced environment and then reproduce it, but then do things which really diminished our being and our reputation, which sadly, it was stolen. Let's be honest, thieves. And the truth is, we are always going to suffer. If you're going to be a part of anything with me, you are always going to suffer the problem that comes from being joined to a maverick. See, if there's one thing that I can say with confidence about the characters portrayed as significant within the Bible's recording of history, it's that most of them, if not all, were mavericks. You know, I wonder sometimes how we perceive Jesus' statement when he said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross, deny yourself, 
and come this way. Now, the more I think about Scripture these days, I think, well, that's what was written, but I'm not sure Jesus would have said that in the context of when he was speaking because being put on a cross wouldn't be at the forefront of his thinking, but that's another argument for another day and another maverick's way of thinking. But I do know that the writers were trying to convey to us that following this Jesus guy, you were going to have to have a maverick spirit. And I could pick any one of scores of Bible characters and their stories which epitomise what I want to talk to you about today. People like Abraham, people like David, who's the giant killer who killed Goliath with the sling and stone and who changed the whole course of a society, even in the context of their, their approach to God and approach to worship. But then there's as many women as there are men, Esther who stuck her neck out in a royal palace and, and, and people like Deborah, who was, became what Israel knew as being judges. She was a leader. She was a warrior. She was a progressive in her day. And then, of course, Jesus himself was a maverick. You know, it's not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. It's more gentle Jesus, strong and wild. He was a maverick. That's why ultimately he was crucified. You can, you can pretty it up as much as you wish, but he was crucified for being a maverick. He challenged the system. He challenged the belief. He challenged the people. And that's where it got him. And of course, you could carry that through to people like uh, the Apostle Paul, who was also a maverick. And I would even say people like Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a maverick character in her day willing to do what was not publicly acceptable. And boy, did she stick by it and go the distance. Absolutely. So a maverick is a person who thinks and acts in an independent way, behaving differently from the expected norm. Won't fit the pattern, doesn't comply to the model. A maverick is an independent thinker who does not go along with a group or party line. They won't hold the common narrative. And he or she is a barbarian. And although we have diminished the title of barbarian to be something less than it is, the original, the original uh, meaning of the title barbarian meant someone different to the dominant class or group. I've always wanted and always sought to be a barbarian and always wanted a church that was a barbarian church. And you could say, well, look where it's got you. Yeah, that's where it's got us. But we're not doing this for now. We're doing this like we did as those different people in Wilton Rise for five years' time, for 10 years' time, for 15 years. And do you think we'll get the honour for challenging what we challenge? No. So you better not be prideful. You better learn to be humble. It's to quote the Bible, pissed me off for years that that was the case, but it goes with the territory. But you see, mavericks are cultivators of courage. They are motivators of change. They are catalysts. They're alchemists. Alchemists look to change the nature of things into something greater, of greater value. And the truth is, without mavericks, and we've witnessed this in history, movements become monuments. And revelation becomes ritual. And fresh ideas become fossilised under the pressure of conformity. 
And they are the dissenting voice, often seemingly defying reason. I am a dissenter. If you follow me on Facebook, some of you have and will be upset because I am a dissenter. It seems to follow reason at times, but I am a dissenter. I'm a maverick. I can't help it. Now, the Braveheart story, which our movies are taken from today, of course, the story of William Wallace in the uh, 13th century, 14th century, and the the oppression of Scotland by the English and the desire for the Scots to be free and a free people, not under oppression. That's one of the reasons we chose this, because the Braveheart story is a chronicle of a maverick. It's a story of uprising against oppression, suppression and subjugation. But probably more than that, it's the endeavour to restore the I am to a whole nation of people. See, the story is a whole nation of people had lost the I am is a complete sentence. So how does this work in relation to the past two weeks of talks on I am? which seem to be more peaceable in principle and primarily accepting process with a resistance to attachments. So, so to talk about maverick almost seems to, to go in the face of what we said about discovering I am. But I have to say this is as much an I am story as any other story. See, I am is not an antidote for the maverick spirit. The maverick's I am is first and foremost for something, not angry and against something, but confident and for something. The maverick spirit is always for and not against. But you see, if you don't understand the maverick, you interpret it as being angry, aggressive and against, when actually it's passionately and progressively for something, and that's why it comes across with such strength. I am is not a reason, nor should it be, an excuse for passivity. See, some of you will have loved the I am message of the last two weeks because you think it becomes the reason for and the excuse for passivity. You understand what passivity is? Well, just, you know, carry on and just it's fine because I am. But let me say this to you, change is not a passive process. And transformation is not a static occurrence. It all needs something. It takes a cross. It takes a crisis. And sometimes that crisis needs to be created. And mavericks will tend to do that. So in the clip that we saw where Robert the Bruce, who would eventually become the King of Scotland and build on the the shoulders of what William Wallace began, William Wallace says, To Robert the Bruce, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. Now I would have to say, unless those men lack courage themselves, in which case they definitely will follow titles. They'll follow the majority over the maverick. It's interesting that it's rarely the majority that hold the key to changing the world. And I could give you instance after instance after instance of showing how experts often, mostly, 
and almost without question always went against the person who was the maverick who would bring change. Even down to the point of something as simple as washing your hands as a surgeon before you operate on the next patient. Do you know what happened to the guy who introduced that first in Austria? They defrocked him. They deplatformed him. And what was proving to be a success in the hospital, they stopped. Why did they stop it? Because the experts said, it's just a freak. We don't think it's true. And they shut him down. So some of you can see why I talk the way I talk about some of the things I talk about. Mavericks will always question and challenge conformity. See, the problem is we quite like titles. They, they emit an air of security or at least give us a target for blame if we don't find them a source for security. So we like the whole idea of titles. But I want us to be people who don't follow titles, we follow courage. Mavericks will always question and challenge conformity. It's not primarily because they're against anything, but because they see something beyond and for it. From a human perspective, conformity offers us the certainty we crave without the struggle. Now I have to say to all of you, be cautiously aware of the consequence of conformity. Now, does that mean we shouldn't be obedient? Doesn't that mean we shouldn't do some things that we ought to do? No, it doesn't mean that. But when that becomes mutual conformity, you can see from history and from life that what happens then is it offers us the certainty we crave without the struggle, so we stop struggling and then nothing changes. And here's what happens. Why do you think religions, governments, and organizations promote conformity? Do as we say and you'll be safe. Do as we say we have the answer. Do as we say and we won't do anything against you. It's because conformity is the bedrock of control. But it's also the model of order. And that's where we start to struggle. Because we want order, but sometimes our desire for order causes us to slip into arenas that are nothing other than control. Have you ever thought, order never creates anything? Chaos creates everything. From the child in the womb and the sperm and the egg, chaos creates everything. From all living things that we see in the universe, order didn't create it, chaos created it. Order is necessary to maintain it, but chaos is the force that creates. Conformity is what creates the repeatable patterns that so often keep us trapped in the feel as though I'm just going around in circles experience. That's what conformity does. What I do know is that history exposes this one thing as a major factor in the suspension of progress and the establishing of oppression. Often, most often in the name of the common good. Without being a little bit maverick or having respected maverick somewhere in your life, the danger is you become either a Pharisee or a submissive slave. And so today, I'm daring you to be different. The, um, the second clip that we showed from uh, 
Braveheart is, to me, probably one of the most moving scenes in the movie, and uh, it impacts me greatly. Um, I, I am connected and attached to it. And I think what staggered me as a piece of really good acting by Mel Gibson is that the, the total distraught, disappointed, disillusioned, empty look on his face when he realizes that Robert the Bruce, who he felt was his ally in the cause, and now for the sake of safety and security joined the cause of the English who were out to crush and destroy what it is that Wallace had lifted up and put forward. And so when he unmasks him, that sense of betrayal is so acute that that's what creates the scene in the movie. And I think betrayal is an awful thing. It's maybe the, maybe the worst in terms of emotional impact. Now, I appreciate that mavericks have a certain view of others which reflects their own commitment to a cause. And that when a maverick sees that another does not share the cause or in their view betrays the cause, that's what happens to a maverick. Any of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, let me also say that's what happens to a six. <laughs> For those of you who understand it, and I'm a six. It's that sense of, of just, this is not just a thing, this is actually a betrayal of the cause and it's a betrayal of the person. Now, I appreciate that can be a weakness in the maverick me, but, but if I'm honest, I feel that very, very strongly when it happens to me. And yet this idea of betrayal is, is woven into the story of Jesus in a pretty powerful way, and shows up in the life story of pretty much every other maverick character, both in the Bible and outside of the Bible. So it's something we have to address in the context of if you're going to personally be a maverick, or if you're going to, as a group, have a maverick spirit, there will come in that time some sense of betrayal and disillusionment. You know, I could, I could relate several events biblically from Jesus' life. John chapter 6 is a fascinating a fascinating insight on Jesus talking to the crowd and also his disciples. And he makes a statement about, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. Now, he was talking metaphorically, not cannibalistically. He was talking about what it would require for you to become part of this maverick movement, which I think has been lost and become a monument, but what would it require to be part of that movement? And do you know what it says, which, which is very sad? It says, so from that day, many left him and followed him no more. In terms of, in terms of numbers, and I don't like this one this to sound an excuse or anything, it's just a reality. In terms of numbers, Jesus started off with a lot more than he finished with. And in fact, if you want the ultimate of betrayal, when it comes to his crucifixion and the absolute point of the purpose that he is there and the heart of his message, even before he goes there, his closest disciple, Peter, betrays him three times. Oh, I don't even know who the guy is. Now to do with me. You know, I'd, I've, never belonged, I've never belonged to him. I've never belonged to that church. Oh, I don't... 
And then when he gets to the cross, what do you see? There's his mother, there's Mary Magdalene and a few odds and bobs looking on at this dying figure on the cross. And so you need to understand that this is woven into the story of Jesus and part of the maverick. Now, the end of the story is great, but if you want to look at the story, what it means that standing for what he did against the, against the religious norm and everything else meant that he had to suffer some of that sense of betrayal. In all honesty, for me, loyalty is simply the greatest of all virtues. If you want to know my love language, it's loyalty. I am convinced if you're not loyal to me, you don't love me. So you can bring me flowers, you can send me money, you can do what you like, but I would sacrifice all of it for loyalty. I said to Chris, I was very blessed that close to 100 people now have wished as well for our wedding anniversary, which was yesterday, but I would sacrifice every single one of those for that many likes to a maverick barbarian thing that I say. I'd give that up every day of the week because what I desire is not for you to say, isn't it lovely you've been married for 45 years? What a brave woman. What touches me is loyalty to a cause to understand we are mavericks in a maverick gospel following a maverick saviour needing to be mavericks in a world that is not maverick and that wants you to follow conformity. It's interesting for me as well that what we label as letting yourself down is simply the personal version of betrayal. Do you understand that? Oh, I just feel I let myself down. That's your personal version of betrayal. That's why your whole demeanour changes because that's your moment where Wallace meets Robert the Bruce. And you think you don't get involved with it, but it is every time that you say, I am disappointed with myself, you are facing and addressing the idea of betrayal. Let that sink into you and understand that as we embrace that in our own lives, it makes us conscious of how that works out beyond us. And truly, you can do something about it. Because it's interesting to me that Jesus predicted his betrayal. He creates an opportunity to repair it. And, but he carries on regardless of it. And it's interesting to me that Jesus' one question out of Peter's betrayal was not, why did you do it, Peter? How could you behave this way after everything I've done for you? Look at what I've provided for you. Look how you've joined some. Why weren't you more appreciative? No, that was not Jesus' question when he meets him and cooks breakfast for him on the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. He asks one question, Peter, do you love me? That's the one question out of Peter's betrayal. You see, betrayal is an act of non-love. Love is at the core of the maverick, not anger. You need to understand that. Love is at the core of the maverick, not anger. And maybe that's not fully understood. The non-biblical description of that would be the maverick is a rebel with a cause. So is that really who Jesus was? And in the light of that, is that who we should be? Okay, so come on, how many of you are the noble on the horse? Who when Robert the Bruce says, you bled with Wallace, now bleed with me. Has that, oh God's sake. 
Because I know without criticism, some of you may feel like that, may have felt like that. And I know there are some who felt like that, who said, that's me, I'm out of here. But I believe the cause, cause is normal, and I appreciate this morning you allowing me to express what is at the core of my heart and my being. And I don't know where the future leads for us, I don't know where the future leads for me as we are in transition and move forward, but I do know that we are setting it by the sword in the field like that. See, every challenge brings with it a choice and a chance. Every single challenge does that. It brings with it a choice and a chance. And, and within that, there's always a moment of decision in the mayhem that defines the outcome. And I'm trying to catch that moment of decision amidst the mayhem for you because that defines the outcome. It does in every situation of life. So how do you make that choice? And then the challenge comes, but what does conformity demand? And if conformity seems to demand something other than that choice, dare you make the choice? And that's where Jesus' challenge was, if you really want to be my disciple, you've got to deny that desire for conformity and security and you've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me because we are going into something that can change, but you're going to have to make the choice and take the chance. See, I am becoming a complete sentence, maybe for us, the beginning. But it doesn't necessarily mean you will win the battle. Now you say, well, what's the point of preaching all this and trying to inspire us to then say that, that discovering I am doesn't necessarily mean that you'll win the, win the battle. Because what I do want to say is that it does mean that you have won you. And what's more important than winning any battle is winning you. Because when you win you, in essence, you've won the battle. And the truth is, Jesus' power was in the I am of his presence. And even though he lost his followers in that first instance of his ministry on earth, what happened out of the I amness of his sacrifice, just like Wallace died, but it didn't have the effect that the English king thought it would have on that bunch of people who he was trying to repress and bring into slavery. It had the opposite effect. And the truth is, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross had the opposite effect to what the Roman officials and the Jewish religious hierarchy thought it would have. And I hope that whatever has died with us will have the opposite effect to what people thought that it would have. And I'm sure my... Arms and legs have gone to the four quarters of the church world. I know they certainly have in this city. So can a maverick draw the maverick out of others? This becomes the question, doesn't it? Can a maverick draw the maverick out of others? Well, I would say, don't ask me, ask Jesus. Can a maverick nurture the courage required and impart that courage to others. And I say in the words of another movie that we showed the Shawshank Resumption, I hope. There's a great symbolic metaphor adopted in the Braveheart movie by the simple use of a swatch of cloth. 
And it's around here where I want to finish what I have to say today. I don't know if you remember, but when Wallace was facing the horror of the sense of betrayal from Robert the Bruce, and Robert the Bruce began to awaken to what it was that was happening and got Wallace off the field, he picked up a piece of cloth. That piece of cloth was the cloth that William Wallace's bride had given to him on their wedding day. And his bride was then killed by the English, which instilled certain feelings within Wallace that began to draw him forward. But that was the swatch of cloth that he had been given by her that became a mark of something deep within his soul that drew him onwards. Great metaphor in it. And so you saw in that last clip how when Bruce was about to go and kiss the ass of the English to save trouble, to be compliant, to do what was expected, to not have a problem, to not be different, to be accepted, he pulled out of his armour that swatch of cloth. And it began to touch something deep in his soul. See, the swatch was the capturing of a moment, a feeling, a conviction. It needs to be brought out of the armour and felt from time to time to remind us who we are and who we are one with and how we must be. And my prayer today is that something inside you stirs you like that swatch of cloth that says, hmm. I mean, I've got to go with this. Even if I have to bleed, I've got to go with this because what lies ahead could change the whole world. Remember the swatch of cloth. What's your swatch of cloth? What's that moment? What's that thing that you can draw out to say, yes, this attaches me, I feel it, I've got it. And can we all be mavericks? The sword in the field, I think, is a wonderful end to that movie. Whoever, well, um, whoever played William Wallace, um, Gibson, Mel Gibson was the director also, and I think what a, what a powerful final scene. And when Wallace's sword is launched onto the battlefield and lands in the middle... What a moment, what a, what, a, what, a great, what a great declaration. So a question, why did the cross of Christ become such an enduring symbol? Despite it being abused and misused, which it has and it was and it still is, I propose to you it because it became the sword in the field for everybody with a maverick spirit that determined for them what their choices would be and what chance they would take so that they could change their lives and change the future. It was a marker in history for the maverick spirit to rise up and always be challenging the status quo in order to change the world. And it's my marker. I am maverick. What about you? Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. 
We love that you are listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.